0: It's from Ephesians chapter six. Uh, We will be uh, walking through these scriptures all this month in the series, Brave, Strong, Known, and Love. So I'm gonna read six verses to you. And at the end of it, I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God and invite you to say, thanks be to God with me. So hear, hear this word from Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I had the privilege last Sunday, uh, many of you are here, but not everybody, of announcing uh, about our Christmas Eve offering, which is our our biggest offering of the year. We give away 100% of it, and I was able to share with you that over, uh, you gave over (laughs) $241,000. That will be 100% uh, given away. Which is super awesome. If you haven't been with us, we're giving, uh, we're going to fund a full clean water project in a uh, rural Nicaraguan community for 278 people to have access at their home to clean, safe drinking water, which is just a total game changer and life changer. And then, um, amazing $180,000 we will be giving this church to fully fund a countywide program initiative to partner churches with schools to encounter these places of vulnerability, hunger. Uh, addiction, uh, safety, like abuse and violence and uh, education to move the needle, to see students thrive in our community. And, and we, God, through you all has now fully funded. We were hoping for a year and the program's fully funded for the three years of the project. So thank you, God. And thank you, Providence Church uh, for that. So awesome. So uh, if you're here last Sunday, when I uh, shared about that at every service, I cried, right? And like snot. It was like a big, a big deal and I felt a little embarrassed about it. And so as I was preparing for my sermon this week, I was like, okay, Jake, that's great, but let's be done with the, the crying. And um, so I made this decision to keep my composure and I was literally like writing my sermon and thinking about that kind of stuff. And then I just had this thought. I, was, I just thought, actually, I don't want to get over it. Actually, I really don't. I don't want to get on with my life. I don't wanna just move into the next thing when God's working wonders around us. So just wanted you to know, I don't wanna get, I'm not gonna get on with my life, I don't wanna get over it. Um, I've realized more and more like, this is my go, this is your go, like this is it. This is not a dress rehearsal for your life. Like What you're in right now, like this is it. And so we don't have to get over seeing God work in our lives, just because we're human and we got a bunch of stuff to do. And so if we feel tears when we're in awe of God, or if we feel tears in the grief that we're experiencing in our suffering, or if we are enthused because we can't believe God is moving, just go for it. You know, be human and be alive. Because what happens when we acknowledge that we're not just uh, living this, you know, uh, solo existence that has no connection with anything else, and there actually is a supernatural realm and a God who's working wonders around us and who's working things out in the conformity of his will or actually your life and the things that you are going through, we find power. And we find power for our struggle. I'm struggling, right? Anybody just in a struggle right now, just for one reason or the other? Yeah, like, we're in a struggle. And the scripture says that our struggle is actually not against flesh and blood. So what we usually do is we wanna blame our struggle on that person who's around us or that person who came before us, right? So I would love to blame my struggle on my dad or whatever, you know, but it's probably only like 50% his fault, all the stuff that I'm going through. I'd love to blame my struggle. You know, most days I'd love to blame my struggle on my wife, Rachel, who's on the front row. And, um, and I realize now that 0% of my struggle has nothing to do with her, it's all about me. The Bible says that your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against, it's kind of weird, um, the evil powers of this dark world in the heavenly realms. And that does sound mysterious. That does sound strange. But before we just uh, push it away because it's weird and mysterious, I would like to invite us over this month to kind of go into the mystery, and into the weirdness, and find that there's actually power in understanding that there is a supernatural realm and that God is working in the midst of our lives more than just what we can see. And so if we go deeper into that understanding and deeper into understanding what God is doing in our struggle, we hear that God's saying to us, you guys need to armor up, right? You need to armor up. I brought this verse to us last week, sort of our verse for the year, Ephesians six ten. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I believe that we can commit that to memory. That could be something we carry through the year. And there'll be times that we call upon. I've seen really cool stuff this week where people are putting that verse in places, in their workplace, in their home. And the next verse says, to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So we acknowledge that there is a spiritual battle which necessitates a spiritual armor of sorts which I think should lead us to a curiosity and even excitement to say, so what's the armor, God? What is it? What's it look like? Uh, If you know what kind of armor God is giving you, then we'll have some understanding of the battle that God's preparing us to go into. Does that make sense? So if we pay attention, what are you giving me, God, to protect me, it might give us an indication of actually what we're gonna come up against. And the first item of clothing in the armor is a belt. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist where it's kind of odd to be told about a belt first I mean usually I think of the belt as an accessory and as you guys know as a man of fashion um I you know I think the <laughs> the belt is like uh you know it holds the outfit together I wouldn't think of the belt first who starts with the belt well God says first you need this belt and the belt is truth the belt is truth I think that Paul could be referring here to all that has come before in the letter of Ephesians. So we're going to look at quite a few verses this morning. We're going to pull out some of this truth. Paul talks about truth a bunch, and then there's some things that are just kind of true. He's, he's trying to give um, power to the early church of how to live and how to behave as a church. So we pay attention to what he's writing. And so in the first chapter, he says this, in him, we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, which is a mouthful, right? But we see this chosen part of it and that God is actually working things out in conformity with his will, which means the struggle you're in is not without meaning, it's not without God's understanding, that God's working in it towards the conformity of his wills. But what we see there in the beginning is just this, you were chosen, You were chosen. What that is is it's true. Paul's saying these things are true about your life. You were chosen. He goes right on uh, to say that you also were included in Christ when you heard what? The message of truth. When you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, you were included. Just another piece of truth. You were chosen, you were included. Keeping going in that same verse, verse 13 of chapter one, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So it's just truth, you were chosen, you were included, you were marked, you were marked. And so Paul's saying, all right, put that on like a belt and buckle up, which requires what, an imagination, kind of a spiritual expansion of your mind to begin to pretend that you're putting on some kind of spiritual armor. And then you find, whoa, it doesn't even feel like pretending, it feels like I'm really doing this because the spirit world is real. And so you're buckling up a belt that you didn't even know that you had because you were chosen and you're included and you're marked. And that's the truth. You know, this mark thing makes me think about, I've heard people say all my life, like, you know, if you like look like your parent or something, they say, you're marked, you know, you look like your daddy, you look like your mama. And I've noticed that with my kids. I have uh, three daughters. Today is one of their birthdays. I won't call her out or anything, but I'm really happy about that. And and they are marked by their mother, right? They all look different, but I'll see them at different times, just in their physical appearance, you know, a facial expression or something, and I'll be like, "You look like your mom." I'll see, you know, I'll see Rachel uh, in them, and what that does, when I, I've noticed, like when I tell them something like, "You look like your mom," or sometimes I see their behavior, you know, and their behavior is like their mom, like they're acting really sassy or something, and I'm like, hey, you are, you're like your mama," and Rachel thinks that's so funny um, when I say that. But when I tell them, when I see, because, I'm joking, but because Rachel is, is uh, honored and revered in our home, when I tell my girls that you look like your mom, I see them stand up straighter because they know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I believe their mom is beautiful and brave and strong. If you know Rachel, you know that, that she's brave <laughs> and that she's strong, right? And so when I'm calling out a mark in them that I see in them like Rachel, uh, I'm giving them an identity, right? They're they're sensing that identity. Brave, strong, known, loved is about identity, but the identity is the truth. That's why we're wearing the T-shirts, and that's why we're telling each other, it's like we want that truth on you. We want you to, to, like Mark was saying, show it to other people, it's the truth for them, it's the truth for you. The next part of the armor is a breastplate. So here's the verse again, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Most of us we, or all of us don't have a breastplate in our normal attire. This is a piece of ancient armor that's uh, sometimes called a chestplate or a breastplate to cover the torso, to protect the precious organs, the heart, the lungs. You know, this is uh, your first line of covering. And what our breastplate is in the spiritual battle is righteousness. So hang with me. I know we're kind of talking. These are sort of church words. The breastplate is Righteousness. What we're talking about here is that Jesus' rightness, Jesus' righteousness is covering you. Jesus is right. So uh, we would think of Jesus' teachings as being right, but more than that, it's like Jesus is right. And his righteousness uh, has the ability to stand before any power and to stand before God. So our own righteousness does not have that. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so if you're gonna stand up in your own rightness, you will have some precious things that are exposed. But you're not doing that in Christ, your breastplate is the righteousness of God. I wanna tell you just for a moment about um, Joanne Phillips. Joanne came to our church in 2010. We were meeting at Stoner Creek Elementary, a brand new church, folding chairs set up in a gym. And Joanne came, Joanne, if you knew Joanne, was a beautiful, classy lady. She came to our church and she had just uh, lost her husband. So she just moved to Mount Juliet, over to Dell Webb, and um, we would have to imagine that that felt like a struggle, right? to have lost someone so precious for so many years, so a recent widow, and she just dove into our church in every kind of way. She served on our hospitality team. No doubt many of you were greeted by her week after week after, after week out here. She served every summer at Vacation Bible School. That was just something she did, and if you, uh, if, if you serve at Vacation Bible School at Providence Church, that makes you a saint, um, just, <laughs> just telling you. And this last summer when she was uh, st- deeply battling cancer, she still served... A vacation Bible school. She told her daughter, I'll hand out a water bottle. I'll do whatever I can. And a few days before, uh, after Christmas, excuse me, Joanne passed away after her battle with cancer. Many of you are here at her funeral. She only lived here 10 years, and we had her funeral service here, and it was filled with friends and, and neighbors and, and church members. Uh, she actually had two funerals, one in her hometown, Pastor Mark and I drove to, and then uh, the other here. You might think, who has two funerals? Joanne Phillips. And um, her family told us that on Christmas Day she gathered with her family just a few days before her death. Here's why I'm bringing this up. Joanne was the kind of person that taught me this is not a dress rehearsal for your life, this is it. And um, I love this picture of Joanne from that day on Christmas with her coffee and her smile with her family, with God's spirit. And what I see there, what I see in Joanne, what I always saw in Joanne was Christ. You see what I'm saying? She was marked, and so when you see her, you're like, you look like the one who who created you. You look like Jesus. On Christmas Day, her son-in-law was gonna say the prayer for Christmas dinner, and she said, I'd like to pray, and she prayed over her children, and her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren. You see the passing down of the identity. Pastor Mark shared in his uh, sermon at Joanne's funeral something I didn't know, and that was that in her last days, Joanne requested a certain outfit that she wanted to wear a certain outfit. And uh, I I had the same shirt that Joanne had, so I brought mine. And it was her uh, brave, strong, known, loved shirt from last year. She wore it under her pajamas. Her body was wearing down, her spirit was being renewed. Why was Joanne wearing the shirt? Because she was brave and strong and known and loved. She was reminding herself that she's chosen and included and marked. It's like a breastplate, right, to cover her, to remind her of the power. Listen to these verses from Ephesians chapter 4. It says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned. What it's talking about here is Paul's talking to the church, and some of the people, just like us, they were behaving in ways that the church shouldn't be behaving. And Paul's like, that's not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth. He's saying, remember, you're included, you're chosen in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to to put on the new self, right? Put it on like a shirt. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at that phrase, true righteousness. What do you see there? The belt and the breastplate. He's saying you were created to be like God. Your creation is a mark in God. It's no surprise that we see see God in you in truth and in righteousness. You're wearing that. Joanne wore that. And you're going to think, because I know you guys and I know myself, you're going to think, okay, but I can't wear that. I'm not a saint. I would never work at Vacation Bible School. (laughs) I can't do what it takes to get those clothes. And if you think that like I do sometimes, I wanna read you the most famous verse from Ephesians. It says this, it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. (laughs) not by works so that no one can boast. So for all of us who might think, I can't do what it takes, we're right, we can't. The truth of Jesus is that the righteousness of God that's gonna protect you is a gift that is freely given and there isn't a dang thing you can do to earn it. So give it up. Somebody here, give it up. Stop doing the struggle on your own. We're not talking about anything like we usually think, like I got to go today and face all these people and take on all this stuff and face the criticism and and face my insufficiency. No, God's saying, I'm giving you a power to overcome. And it's not from yourself. Because we're walking around like, I can't do it. I can't. This is more than I. You're right. You can't. But what Paul's saying, he's closing up his letter. He's saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I'm reminding you of the truth that I've told you about. Put it on like a belt around your waist. Buckle up, he says. There's a breastplate of righteousness, he says. Put it in place. Your every breath in and your every breath out is covered by the righteousness of Christ, not yours. Your righteousness is like filthy rags, you're right. But that doesn't lead us to to look low like the devil's pushing us. It puts our, our, our chin up and we stand up straight. It says over and over, what are we gonna do in the battle? You're gonna stand. You're going to stand in it. You're going to stand. And after everything that's happened, you are going to stand. So the next piece of armor we get are the shoes. Not what we're expecting. Next week, come back next week, we're going to talk about the shield and the sword and the helmet. Now that's armor, right? Like, you're like, I need the helmet. (laughs) Some of y'all are banging your heads up against stuff all the time. But... um, (laughs) But right now, today, guys, we're gonna finish the whole thing with, with shoes, okay? The shoes are peace. The shoes are peace. Listen to verse 15. And have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It doesn't say shoes, but what I picture is a kind of a lacing up, right? Get your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So it's saying that our steps are actually gonna be steps of peace. Okay, guys. Uh, As Christians, you want to know this is how we fight our battles? Do you want to know how we fight our battles? Every step we take is peace. Peace, peace. I've been thinking about this walk that I do uh, in my house. When I get home, you probably have, like, this certain walk you take. Like, you park your car. I park my truck in the garage. I get out. I walk around uh, Rachel's van, and then I go up these steps um, to our house. There's a little hallway, and then I walk into the kitchen, and usually there's, like, my whole family or one of them or whatever. And so I've been thinking about those steps, right, and what I'm usually thinking about, what I'm usually feeling and I've been trying to do this. You can, maybe, you can maybe try this this week. I've been trying. I get out of my truck, and I'm trying to start going, peace, 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 <laughs> peace, 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 I have the same parking spot out here. Maybe like you, I'm a creature of habit. parking in the same place every day. When I get here in the mornings, I usually have my mind swirling, my life stories. I feel most anxiety in the morning. I don't know why. I just kind of feel tied up in knots. And I've been trying to think just from my little walk in, in here, peace, 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 peace. Peace. I've been starting to think about when I get into my, into my truck, you know, it's like the same shoes, you know. I don't know why, but I'm like, peace, suckers. You know, like I don't know why it all goes out the window in the truck. You know, so it's like, peace. I don't it, It's a different feeling. Uh, Rachel says that she can tell if I'm mad or if I'm uh, annoyed by how I'm driving. And I'm, when she says that, I'm just like more annoyed. I'm like, <laughs> so annoying. What are you ta- Peace. So <laughs> every... <laughs> I don't know what that has to do with anything. Just feels funny to me to keep doing it. Imaginary gas battle. Um, so every step we take is peace, and my job is is uh, actually to teach you the holy scriptures, not to make you feel good about everything. And so what we're being told is that our armor, our outfit, is we're not supposed to put on boots in the morning to kick people in the rear, but Christians are supposed to put on shoes. We're supposed to ready ourselves with, with shoes that get us ready for, for peace. And so often we lose our center, right? I do, I get off and I, I get off and I, I lose the peace. I feel angry. Ephesians talks about that. It says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on you while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. I thought that was so interesting. I've heard that verse a bunch, but i would never noticed it saying, if you, if you, everybody gets angry, there's nothing wrong with getting angry, but if in your anger you, you sin, you know what, you, what you're doing? You're allowing the devil to get a hold of your what? Your foot. Your what? Your gospel shoes, your peace shoes. So when we, um, I don't know if you've heard wise uh, older people that always, always told, don't go to bed angry. Do anybody ever tell you that? Don't go to bed angry. Well, they're quoting scripture. And what's being said here is if you, um, if you, if you go to bed angry and you kinda of let that sit there, you're, you're letting the devil get a hold of your foot. Um, this is just, you know, a metaphor, but it's like the devil like, slipping off your gospel shoes of peace, setting them down. You wake up in the morning, you're barefooted, and you're ready to kick everybody. And what we do is we hurt people. We hurt people in our anger. We hurt people when we are not stepping in peace. Ephesians, all the verses this morning are from Ephesians. I'm trying to give us a picture of the whole letter because what we're looking at is the finally. If all you talk about spiritual armor, you're gonna miss all this amazing stuff that goes with it. But here's what it says. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. How are we supposed to act? It says this, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. This is another one of those places I get this feeling. I know our community, this is like, this is where we're gonna throw in the towel again. Why? Because we're angry. There's so many of us in this room, we're bitter, right? And we know there's not just some verse we're gonna put on the screen that says, get rid of bitterness that's gonna make me get rid of my bitterness, so what am I in the world am I going to do? Am I going to throw in the towel? No, I'm going to beg you today not to throw in the towel because what this is about is a power that can help you overcome these things. These, um, some of us have some deeply ingrained patterns of anger that have become a behavior in our life that upon close examination are clearly sin. But rather than going into that, we're just going to keep pushing on because we have no idea how we could overcome that deeply ingrained thing. But this is saying God's given us armor and power to overcome that we can actually become people who start stepping in to peace. We are in a struggle. If you feel like you're in a struggle, you are. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against evil. And, and that's why there's going to be times we have to say to evil, you can't have what God has said is mine. All this good stuff we're talking about today, sometimes you have to speak it in prayer and say, no, uh, you can't have what God has said is mine. Like for me, you know, it's like in our situation with our children, you know, you don't think God's looking, I mean, the devil would be looking at our children and saying, uh, you know, I don't, I want to keep them laid low. I don't want them to know they're precious and powerful and full of peace. God doesn't want your sons to rise up and be men of God, strong and powerful and peaceful like Jesus. So what's he going to do? He's going to give us a fight. Priscilla Shire says, devil, if it's a war you want, it's a war you're going to have. And what she's saying is not that we are a violent people who are fighting. No, she's saying what God has entrusted to us through the spirit is worthy of fighting for. We're fighting for the next generation, people of God. I've been thinking, you know, if the devil's scheming against me, I'm scheming against him. Let's give away a quarter of a million dollars to the people that the devil thinks isn't worth it. Right? Let's stand up and say that we think that that all people are of sacred worth and and we want them to have clean water and we want our students to thrive. This is our go. This is not a dress rehearsal. The devil doesn't want you to rise up in the morning and say, devil, this son has armor on. He doesn't. There's, There's a group of Rutland Elementary School teachers that got it for their whole team, got these shirts, you know, The devil does not want that team of kindergarten teachers to rise up in the morning, put those shirts on, and say, devil, these daughters have armor on today. No, he wants to lay us low, keep our heads down. So you gotta wake up tomorrow and put your belt on. The devil doesn't give a flip, I mean, about us feeling good right now, that would be expected. Here we are together, we're singing about Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, and, and we should be, I'm not saying that, but what the devil doesn't want is for us to get up in the morning and believe this to be true. To say, belt buckled up, breastplate of righteousness, cha in place, shoes, peace, peace, peace. This army of people going out into the community with peace, 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 that'll have the devil shaking in his boots. But here's the deal, guys. The reason this verse says that we stand, it doesn't say anything about, you know, getting in this big fight. It says we'll stand. You wanna know why? Evil's already lost the battle. All we do is stand up. Stand, lift your chin up. Stand up straight. I believe in the spiritual realm. And that means we need to put our belt on. It's true. You're chosen. You're included. You're marked. We need the breastplate in place. Cover your heart. Cover your breath. Jesus, righteousness, not your power. And then every step is peace, peace, peace. The prince of peace, Jesus, is beckoning to you right now, speaking to your heart deep on the deep, spirit under spirit. Are we going to listen? I'm not filling in that blank for you. I'm saying God's calling you in this armor to live in such a way that honors God so that when people see you, they see Christ in us. So that Prince of Peace is beckoning to us, calling to us, and so we have to answer that call. Let's pray. Jesus, help us to hear this week as we live with this scripture and as we talk to each other and we wear our shirts. um, Help us to hear what you're calling us to, what that means and what that looks like. We recognize this morning that all we're talking about is is because of what Jesus has done, what you have done through Christ. He's gone to the cross, died for our sins, and was resurrected, and so we live into that today as we take communion. Let the bread be for us like Christ's body broken for us, the, the cup, his blood shed for us, and for many for the forgiveness of sins. We receive him today in communion in Jesus' name, amen.